Hello and welcome to another edition of the Herbert and Webster Money Minute podcast. On this episode, we'll be discussing the new tax year and the key changes you need to know. Uh, this has been published in our uh, fancy magazine for the month of May and June, and we're going to go into a bit more detail. Um, as ever, this is only a discussion, so please don't accept this as advice. If you do feel you'd benefit from some professional financial advice, please give us a call on 01865 407755 or send us an email to info at and make sure you mention you've seen the Money Minute podcast. So, my name is Adam Herbert. I'm the Managing Director of Herbert & Webster, which was founded in 2010, and we provide truly independent financial advice to our clients. As a chartered financial planners, uh, our focus is on providing a holistic service to help you achieve your financial goals. And as always, and very grateful, I'm joined by two more financial planners from the firm, Kurt McSweeney and Rob Gray. So over to Kurt, please introduce yourself to the listeners. Thank you, Adam. Hi all, I'm Kurt McSweeney. I've been in financial services now for over seven years and over five of those spent with Herbert and Webster. And five very short years ago, Adam Excellent. made me the offer of, of coming to join uh, and, and to give good, high quality, independent advice without sales target. And I felt that was a real draw to, to come and join the team. Um, obviously, love a lot about what we do, but the the ones or the case I really enjoy, are, you know, getting clients to, to retirement five, ten years sooner than they they initially expected or planned to, or, or clients in care and being able to secure their care fees for the rest of their lives. That's some of the, the nicer aspects of the job. Excellent, Rob. What about you? <laughs> Thanks, Kurt. Yeah, hi. My name is Rob Gray. Um, I've been in financial services for about twenty years now. Um, I've worked for various. Um, Companies, Pearl Assurance, Bradford and Bingley, Lloyds Bank, Aviva. Um, so been been through the, the the mill a bit there. Um, after fourteen years working for these large corporations, I took the opportunity to join Adam at Herbert and Webster uh, in two thousand and thirteen, um, and have been here ever since. Um, obviously, it was great to be able to come across, be able to offer sort of independent financial advice, um, and and basically foster you know, really close relationships with, with clients and uh, to keep in contact, which perhaps we didn't do in the past. Yeah. So, um, Best part of the job for me is really helping clients to understand the options that they, they have, what they can do, and, and give them the confidence um, that they're making the right decisions to secure their financial futures. Fantastic. So on to the subject, the, uh, the new tax year. And the key changes you need to know. So the new tax year started on the 6th of April 2019, obviously this year. And the Chancellor has been very kind to most taxpayers with increases to most personal allowances. Uh, the UK tax system varies in complexity depending on your income level. Um, if you're earning, I'd say, say under £100,000 per year, your tax affairs are still, there's still some complexity, but it's a little bit simpler than for someone who's earning over 100,000 to say 210,000. That gets a lot more complex. And then very much so, if you're earning over 210,000 pounds a year, most allowances are, are gone. So it kind of sometimes makes things a little bit simpler, but uh, you need to look at other ways to invest for the future. 
Um, a couple of interesting facts for you guys as well. Um, only 5% of taxpayers, I thought this was quite amazing, only 5% of taxpayers earn over £70,000 per year. And if you're earning over £267,000 per year, you're part of the top 1% earners in the UK, um, which I was quite surprised about that, those figures. Um, so let's run through some of the personal tax changes. Um, like, Great to have Rob and Kurt here to help us go through those, and uh, we'll see what is new for 2019-20. So, where we're going to start, new personal allowance levels. Um, the nice easy one I think is always nice to start off with is the actual personal allowance. Moved from 11,850, and the Chancellor obviously got my letter because I've asked him to simplify the numbers, and he's gone up to 12,500. So, uh, Kurt, what does that mean to our listeners? 12,500 personal allowance, what does that mean? It means, Adam, thank you very much, that the the individuals now can earn up to £12,500 without paying any tax, which is which is lovely. Nice. So completely free from income tax, Completely £12,500. 12, and I must admit, well, I, I won't pick on Rob too much, but I remember the good old days when the personal allowance was only around about £5,000, <laughs> £6,000 a year. Uh, it really has stormed up, uh, especially over the last, say, 10 years, the, the personal allowance itself. Yeah, it's been steadily rising, hasn't it? It's uh, benefits of a Tory government. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Well, there you go. Well, we might have to edit <laughs> to that one out. All, <laughs> all of the disadvantages. Do we have to be like the BBC where we yeah, can't yeah, be now we, have, now we have to be impartial. <laughs> so £12,500 has been increased to from 11850 So that means, you know, it's a great position to be in if you're a low earner. Hopefully, the majority of your income will be tax-free. And again, even for the higher earners, suddenly actually your pay slip, you might see there's a bit of an increase on pay because mm -hmm. there's less of your money being taxed at that initial rate. Now, the, the, I tell you what, the Chancellor definitely got my letter on this one. The higher rate banding, so obviously you have a tax rate of 12,500 where you're not taxed, then you go into a banding where you start to pay 20% tax, and then there was a really nice round figure of £46,350. As soon as you earned over that amount of money, you started to pay 40%. Now that has been increased to a brilliantly round figure, what is that figure, Rob? That would be 50,000. Super. Yeah. So what happens there exactly then? So effectively, you pay, um, as you said, 0% tax on the first 12,500. Yeah. And then on the next £37,500 that you earn. Very good maths there, Rob. You pay 20%. You didn't even yeah. write that down. I know, I didn't. <laughs> um, you pay 20%. Yeah. And that takes you up to that £50,000 bracket and then once your salary is over the 50,000 or you've got rental income, dividend income etc over the 50,000 then your income would then drop into the, the higher rate tax bracket where income tax is at 40%. Now I'm always surprised but I see this quite a lot with with say new clients when they're coming on board. Um, does it mean that you start paying 40% on all your income once you earn over 50,000? No. I think that's quite important. Yeah. So you just pay 40% um, income tax on the part of your income that falls into that higher bracket. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think you're alluding, we, we quite often get people that are quite um, desperate not to earn yeah. more than £50,000 a year as it is now yeah. because they they really don't want to pay 40% tax yeah. on, on, on their money. Um, but it's important to realise that you, know, you still retain... 60% um, of the money that you earn yeah. over over that 50,000 bracket. So uh, go and earn it 
yeah. um, and, and just grit your teeth when you have to pay a bit more to the, the taxman. Fair enough. Superb. And then we've also got a bit of, um, some people class it as another form of taxation. Um, I won't get on my soapbox, but there is a national insurance as well of 12%. So that's on top of the actual um, the, the, the tax banding. So what you may find is, that, well, what the, these figures are actually slightly different. So between the figures of 8,632 and 50,000, which is that higher rate threshold, you're paying national insurance as well of 12%. So again, someone who is earning, you know, say 30, 40,000 pounds, they very much feel that they're a 20% taxpayer, but actually there is an additional 12% on top of that as well, which is, um, you know, pushing them up to, in theory, 32% tax. And I think that's always good for people to, to, to realize that part as well. Um, so that pretty much covers off the kind of personal allowances and what's been changing there. Um, let's move on to inheritance tax. That, that's always a, a firm favorite of newspapers to, to write up about. Um, much of a change there on the nil rate band, Kurt, with the, uh, <laughs> with the inheritance tax? Uh, no, Adam. The, uh, the nil rate band itself has remained at £325,000, yeah. meaning every individual in the UK can have an estate of £325,000 without paying any tax on death. On death. Of their selves, not you know, yeah. the individual. Yeah. So, so the estate is completely free of tax if it's worth no more than 325000 Correct. Fantastic. T's and C's apply, but uh, there's always gifts lots and trust and whatnot. But yeah, in effect, yes. Perfect. And that 325 hasn't really moved much, has it, over the last... No, not for a long time, actually. Yeah. I and I think when it's due to... It is being reviewed, I believe, I may be wrong, but I think, I think 2022. One. Yeah, I think. Well, we'll, we'll, <coughs> we'll come and have a back and look at that. But at the moment, still very much stuck at the, the 325,000. Then we've got this new rate, which has been around for the last couple of years now, and it's such a, a very simplistic uh, um, part of the, of the nil rate band, and I say that with my tongue in my firmly in my cheek, is the residential nil rate band, and that's now increased to 150,000. So where was it before, Rob? And uh, how does it kind of work with our with our clients? Yeah. So previously it was 125,000. Yeah. So it was uh, introduced three years ago. Yeah. Initially it was 100,000 pounds. Yeah. The residential nil rate band. And that's set to go up by £25,000 a year until the 2020-21 tax year. Yeah. So we've got one more £25,000 to it. go on. So it will go up to 175000 next year. So currently it's 150000 Um But it's to be set against your main residence. Yeah. So your main home, um, if that is worth more than £150,000, then it will benefit from this residence nil rate band. Um, but it's important to make sure that you're leaving the, the main residence to either your children or your grandchildren, your direct um, descendants, because that's the only people that can actually benefit from the residence nil rate band. Superb. Um, so, yeah, adding that to your um, regular nil rate band, um, you're at £475,000 figure yeah. um, per person at the moment. Um which will go up. And I think the idea is that the, the £325,000 nil rate band will then start to increase in line with inflation yeah. together with the residence nil rate band um, from 2021 22. Excellent. So, um, so, Kurt, I've read the newspapers that I had a million pounds tax free estate. Is that not the case then? Um, I, I, uh, let's, let's have a look. So, you know. <sighs> 
sorry, estates left to spouses are yeah. always exempt anyway. So okay. you could leave, you know, an estate worth five million pounds to your, your your spouse, yeah. and it's exempt from inheritance tax. Very good to know. It's then on the surviving spouse's passing that the inheritance tax may then be liable, and you're then able to use both spouses' allowances. So if you've got, like Rob said, the the, the main residence has enough value to to utilise the nil rate bands, the residence nil rate bands, then yeah. effectively then. Um, you've, you know, you've got what we got there, £300,000 to use against the main residence, plus two lots of the nil rate bands of 325. Mm. So effectively an estate of you know £950,000 could be yeah. inheritance tax free. And that will then, you know, be a million pounds come 2020-21. Yeah. Um, so long as the value of the estate is eligible to use those allowances. So yes, I think is the short answer, Adam. Um, but there it's are always those teasing I was going to say there's, there's a few more intricacies around it, but yes, in theory. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that, Kurt. So um, other changes we've had is some along the, the pension side as well. So um, state pension has increased, and this is due down to the, the classic triple lock and uh, it's increased by 2.6%. So um, I'll come back to you, Kurt, on an easier one. What, what, does that, what does that mean for people on the old-style state pension and people on the new-style state pension? It means an increase in the, the income they're receiving. So for those on the old state pension, that's gone up to £129.20 a week. Brilliant. And the new state pension has risen up to a, quite a sizable £168.60 per week. week. Yeah. Very good benefit. Very good benefit. I remember those figures off the top of my head as well. Well, there you go. <laughs> Brilliant. And also, we've had auto enrolment come in. Rob, what's been happening with auto enrolment? Uh, so, so yeah, auto enrolment was was rolled out from 2012, as we've probably talked about before. Yeah. Um, gradually, the, the minimum contribution levels have been increasing. Yeah. Sort of gradually over the years, and so this year, the minimum contributions have now raised to their sort of maximum amount, the ongoing mm. amount, uh, which is a total annual contribution of 8% of your pensionable income, Yeah. Um, whereby employers um, now have to uh, contribute 3% um, a year and employees contribute 5%. Um, with the employees, obviously, they're actually contributing 4% of their salary and then mm. they receive tax relief, which makes up the final 1% of, right. of their part. Superb. And then we're going to go into another podcast uh, later to go in a bit more detail about the annual allowances for pensions and also the lifetime allowances because there's a very common questions, queries we have on that. Um, But there hasn't been much of a change on the personal annual allowance on pension side, still at the 40,000 and still very much the same amount. Um, There's lots of tapering which can go on, which we'll go into a bit more detail. But we have seen, I think it's the second increase now to the lifetime allowance. Kurt, what's, what figure are we on to now with the lifetime allowance for pensions? Thank you for asking, Adam. It's uh, £1,055,000 and set to increase with CPI every year, which is quite nice. Yes, well, definitely. It hedges some form of taxation against inflation, which is good to see. Brilliant. So then we move on to the next area, kind of like for investors. Um, quite straightforward, ISA allowances, your main ISA still set at 20,000, 
I, to be honest, I'm, I'm happy with the round figure. Um, <laughs> it used to confuse me so much with 835 pounds here and there and all that kind of stuff. Um, junior ISAs have increased ever so slightly. 4,368 you can get into a junior ISA. I think I'd always like to say to clients, they're a great idea, tax efficient savings for their children. Just remember that that money goes over to them at the age of 18, isn't it, pretty much? Uh, it gets signed over. So, uh, you know, if you're doing regular savers for long periods of time, that, that can be quite a, a hefty pot. So, um, But I'm sure the kids are responsible to, to, to look after it. Uh, capital gains. We've had an increase there. Again, the Chancellor has, got, has looked at my letter and rounded up the figures quite nicely. So what, are, what is the capital gains up to now, Rob, for the allowance? It's uh, 12000 Super. And what does it mean for people out there making capital gains on shares and, and other investments? Yeah, so it works in the same way as your personal income tax allowance. Yeah. So the first £12,000 of, um, of capital gains that you realise in, yeah. in a tax year um, fall into that sort of yeah. nil rate band, if you like, where you don't actually pay any tax on it. Fantastic. Um, and then capital gains above that level um, you, would, you would pay tax on. Brilliant. And so if I hold on to an asset over, say, 10 years or so, and I don't use any of my capital gains allowance for the last 10 years, can I roll them all over? That would be lovely, but yeah. no. Ah. No, so use it or lose it. Fair enough. There you go. So need to be aware of that. So with that then, um, what is the tax paid on capital gains over and above that 12000 What happens there? I'll look, Kurt's looking away, so I'll look at Kurt for that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was confused by the numbers on there, but um, obviously the viewers can't see, see that, there you go. thankfully. Um, so what was the question? Sorry, the, the rates of capital gains. Gains, yeah, yeah capital brilliant. gains for investors. I, I was listening. Uh, so for investors of, you know, your, your, your standard stocks and shares then, for instance, yeah. it's it's the lower rates of 10 and 20%. Brilliant. Which for those amongst the, the, the avid listeners, they'll notice then the income tax rates of 20 and 40, 40. are yeah. less favourable. So actually... Capital, Not a bad thing. Capital gains tax rates are more favourable than personal income yeah. tax rates. Um, but that does change slightly if you're an owner of a property or you make gains on property, which yes. is then taxed at 18 and, and 28%. Superb, <laughs> well done. So yeah, it's um, that's very much of an overhang from Osborne, isn't it? Uh, mm. The last chancellor. So, and again, a, a lot of investors in property uh, sometimes are unaware that those those older rates, because the capital gains old rates used to be 18% for the basic rate taxpayer and 28 for the higher rate taxpayer, and they actually are very much still there. So again, it's to it's to make property kind of, uh, well, uh, more unfavorable than your kind of mainstream investing, really. So uh, they, they still very much sit there. Entrepreneurs Relief hasn't really changed much. Um, it had a, a huge increase a number of years back to 10 million pounds. So this is for the entrepreneurs out there, sell a business. They sell it and make a profit of more than ten, uh, less than ten million. They they get hit with a uh, entrepreneur's uh, capital gains tax charge of ten percent, which is you know really there to to for the wealth creators and the job creators, which is uh, superb. So, moving on to buy to let landlords, I, I would come to Rob, but I, I know Kurt always has a has a real in depth view on the the buy to let landlords. Um, <laughs> what's going on there with the, with them? Then is this the last year? It is, Adam. I, I'd just like to say I, I, I like buy to let landlords. You made it sound as if I didn't there, but I do. Um, yeah. But I think uh, what Adam's alluding to there is the the Chancellor over the, a number of tax years have tried to make um, 
the position of buy to let less attractive. And yeah. so whereas before you could offset 100% of your mortgage interest against your, your rental income, yeah. they're slowly sort of restricting that down. So this is now the last year. You can really offset about a quarter of your mortgage interest payments. Uh, and then next year will go down to zero. So, and is that for all taxpayers, or is that for just high rate taxpayers or basic rate taxpayers? That's for it. it mainly affects the higher rate taxpayers because yeah. of their tax position. Um, so yeah, there's a number of things that need to be done there, really. Yeah. So last year they can use a quarter of it, and then it really does change quite a bit for for them going forward. Absolutely. Brilliant. Well. To be honest, we've covered the main areas of all the allowances. We've got our magazine. It is on the desk. You may be able to see it there. Um, you can download it from the website. It does go into more detail, but that's just a very much of a snapshot overview of the changes for, for this tax year, really, for 2019-20. I nearly said. I nearly said the previous <laughs> tax year. Um, anything else you wanted to add to that, Rob, as uh, Kurt takes a, a glass of water? Um, well, the only thing that just occurred to me there, talking about junior ISAs and ISA limits of yeah. 20,000, there's an interesting one. If there's only 16, 17-year-olds out there, yeah. um, you actually benefit from both ISA allowances. Ah. So you can use your um, 4,368 junior ISA allowance, which can either go into cash or stocks and shares. Yeah. But you can also do um, an adult's £20,000 cash ISA as well. So if you've got parents looking to um, give you some money to put into an ISA, you can do that. Use your cash ISA allowance initially and then potentially move it into a stocks and shares ISA once you are 18. There you go, mm. superb. Or a lifetime ISA. Or a lifetime, lifetime ISA. ISA. There's yeah. lots of ISAs Certainly out there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, That's another podcast. <laughs> that is another podcast. <laughs> lifetime ISA and oh, what's the buy to... Um, help to buy. Help, help to buy, to buy ISA, ISA as well. Yeah. So yeah, definitely another podcast. <clears throat> and Kurt, anything else on the uh, on the on the uh, tax side? I don't believe so, Adam. Thank you. Superb. Well, you've been listening to the Herbert and Webster Money Minute podcast. Thank you for listening, and uh, catch you next time. Thank you.